You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Aloha and welcome. Happy Sunday. Thank you for joining us. My name is Riz, the pastor here at Reality Honolulu. If you did not know me, I'm sure you kind of know me, if it's, unless this is your first time, you see me every week in your living rooms, which I'm honored to be there. I wish I was like in person with you, but we are where we are in this season. But uh, before we get into kind of uh, maybe announcement or two and the word of God, I want to continue the time of worship as we acknowledge and present um, our tithes and offerings to the Lord. And I know this is strange because it's digital, right? So we just worshiped musically, right? We lifted our voices and our hearts unto God. And we exalted him in our homes, which is good and right. But another way, and we say this every week, but another way in which we worship is by giving our tithes and offerings. And I know that we're not in person and we didn't do that. Um, you know, we did it this week and, and we do it digitally and everything's digital. But nonetheless, I want to pause on a Sunday, on the Lord's Day as we gather and present and worship and, and pray that God uses these funds for his glory. And so I'd love for you to join with me in just thanking the Lord as we've um, given our tithes and offerings and then pray for our time together. So let's do that. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that whatever is going on in our lives, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And even as we just came out of this time of worship, God, we want to acknowledge that another way in which we worship you is that we, um, we do that with our finances. We do that with our time and our talent and our treasure and our voices and our hearts, but we also do that with our finances. And God, we thank you for the ways in which you've used us uh, as a body and provided and the way you're moving and the, the way you're sustaining us. And God, we just present um, these funds, like our tithes and offerings to you and say, God, this is your church. Have your way with it, with us, uh, in and through reality of Honolulu. God, we want to be open-handed. God, we, we want to say, here I am, Lord, send me, use me. God, we are expectant and excited for what you're doing in our church this year and even today. We ask that you would anoint today as we open your word. Pray that it would speak to us right where we're at right now. Minister to us. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, hey, I want to make sure you are aware of something coming up next Saturday. Saturday, February 27th at 5 p.m. We are getting together in person very similarly than we did for our Christmas Eve gathering up at the Witty home, which I just want to take a moment. And Witties, if you're watching this, uh, we love you. We're thankful for your generosity. Um, you have provided a space on Wednesdays and to, to film this and uh, to do these large gatherings. And so, man, until we get back uh, on Sundays, you are sustaining us at Witties. We love you and we thank you. But up at the Witty home, where we do our Wednesday night prayer, we did Christmas Eve, 
We are going to be gathering at 5 p.m. next Saturday. It's family friendly. Bring your kids. Um, there's tons of room to social distance and uh, wear your mask. Bring a chair. Bring a blanket. And uh, the whole purpose is to safely fellowship and commune with one another, which we all desperately need. It's how we were designed. Um, and so if you're comfortable, if that's if that, if you can do that, we would love to have you. Um, we just want to create that space if you want to come and do that. Uh, we're going to have coffee by our own Kelly, Creature Coffee, the best. Uh, treats by Nancy Titus, kind of trying to get back to where we were, you know, obviously. Um, and so safely all do that. But most importantly, right, it's awesome to gather. It's awesome to drink and eat and all that stuff. Um, but we're going to be exalting the name of Jesus. Um, this, this home, it's amazing. It overlooks town. It overlooks um, this beautiful island home that we live in. And we're going to be declaring God's attributes and his goodness uh, over this place. And so love to have you there. All the details are at Reality Honolulu. But just want to make sure you, like, you know and you're invited and family and friends. And uh, it's a large place, so we, we can do that. So um, anyway, uh, without further ado, we're going to get into the Word of God, but um, which I'm excited for, and I'm uh, honored to be able to just be used to communicate it to you guys. And so today, what we're doing is we are continuing on in our study of the book of Acts. So Acts 16, verses 6 through 10 is our text today. Um, I want to read it and then kind of... Just go through it. Uh, what does it mean? Um, what's happening? What does it mean? And how does it apply to us? And so it says this, kind of picks up on, on the, the start of Paul's second missionary journey here uh, that he's leaving to go on. And uh, it says this, Paul and his companions, which are Silas and Timothy, which we've been talking about the last few weeks, traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Verse 8. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man uh, of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay, so we are on the start of Paul's second missionary journey. Right, the last few weeks, we've talked about some kind of relational discord that has gone on between Paul and Barnabas. And then now there's these new companions, Silas and Timothy, that are with Paul now as he continues right, to go to the churches and the cities and the places that he went on his first missionary journey. So here, this is the start or, you know, the start of his second missionary journey. If you were to go online and just type in Paul's missionary journeys, um, you, would, you would get a few of them, um, three to four, depending on how you look at it. But um, 
and you get a map and you see it's similar and different and God does different things. And so what we see here in Paul's second missionary journey is really significant. And again, um, that's the beauty of kind of going through and stopping and kind of putting yourself in the text, in that cultural context, in that time in the world, and uh, in that time in the church's history. Because if we were just going to read it right now, like with current history and current whatever, we would miss out completely on the significance of this. So here's why this is significant. Again, we don't really know these places. These places are foreign to us. Cities even named differently now, obviously. Um, Borderlines of even continents, Asia and Europe, aren't really exist, don't exist yet. Countries in the same way don't exist yet. But what's happening is, you know, gospel starts out in Israel, Middle East, right? Syrian Antioch is going know, Syria going towards Turkey, Paul's missionary journey, these cities that we've been looking at in Acts 13 and 14, have been in modern-day Turkey, southern to uh, central modern-day Turkey. And so Paul here, what's happening, just to kind of, if you like maps like me, what's happening is Paul is traveling to where he just did on his first missionary journey, southern and central uh, modern-day Turkey to go encourage and strengthen the believers. But Paul, knowing Paul, he's continuing to kind of press the limits and go for it. And remember, he not only has the good news of Jesus Christ, but he also has the good news that now Gentiles, non-Jewish people, can now fully be accepted into the family of God. Remember, Acts 15, there was a big discussion about big deal. There was, hey, what does it mean to be saved? What does it require? Uh, is it not only belief? Is there additional Jewish practices that you must adhere to? And what was decided is no. You can be a believer, a follower of Jesus in your unique cultural context with your unique, unique cultural identity, but now you follow Jesus and that definitely changes you, but you do it inside of your unique Context. And so the reason why that's important is Paul is taking the good news of Jesus that is for all people, and he's expanding the reach of this news. Remember, at this time, the gospel has not spread far, as we know. Like, comparatively, like, that now, for the most part, I mean, obviously there is areas and people groups and places that have not yet heard the good news of Jesus, and there's still tons of work to be done. But comparatively, right, the gospel has stayed a bit outside of Israel, northern Africa a bit, uh, into, you know, kind of Asia, Turkey here. It's not spread far, and so Paul is going for it. And what we see here is the first thing I want us to, to be mindful of when, when we look at the text is just a reminder of the heart of God. God loves all people. That he desires every man, woman, and child, young, old, tongue, tribe, and nation, you name it. He desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of Christ. In Revelation, we get a picture of heaven, and heaven is filled with the world, the entirety of it. 
Every race, every ethnicity, every language is being sung. I mean, sometimes I think we're used to whoever we worship around, and so heaven's just going to be like that, but heaven is going to be like the most culturally diverse, linguistically diverse place that's ever existed. I mean, can you imagine the worship of heaven? It won't be confusing. It'll be like a symphony of all these voices, of all peoples, of all time, <laughs> and who God's made them. Like all this diversity is united on Christ and we're in, we're, we're, we're in heaven worshiping our God. So what, what's happening is, is, is the gospel, like that picture of heaven, right? the kingdom of God is going forth and it's going forth. This is the inception of it, right? The book of Acts is the beginning of the church and of the gospel going forth, right? Jesus died, he rose again, he ascends to heaven, he gives the task to us, to the disciples, to the apostles of carrying this good news and making disciples of all nations. And so Paul's doing it. He's going for it. And, and this is his second time that he's gone way far from home with this news. But this text reminds us of God's global heart for the whole world, that God uh, desires that everyone would come to know him, every country, every people group. But what's interesting here, if you caught it, is like the idea here that Paul and Silas and Timothy are prevented from going to where they want to go. Uh, I mean, you know, if you, if you were going to tell me, does the Holy Spirit or does God prevent you from sharing the gospel to people? I'd be like, what are you talking about? That's the whole point. But what we see here is that there's the, a strategy. So not only do we see the heart of God for all people, but we see the strategy of God that there was unique purposes and plans for Paul. And as good as his mission was, his plan to take the gospel to all people, God said, yes, that's my heart too. But that place over there and those cities and those people, that is not for you right now. I have something else for you right now. So again, isn't contradicting God's heart, but rather God is a strategic God. And guys, I, I've tried to, to say this a lot because I really do believe that God is big enough and grand enough and he's uniquely made all of us that each of us do have a different role in this world to see God's kingdom go forth. You are, I am, we all are uniquely created and God desires to use us how we are created as we become more like Jesus in our specific families and places and spheres of influence. And sometimes what's going to happen, just like Paul, is we have an idea of what maybe our role is. And God's like, that's good, but that's not for you right now. And what we see here is that's what's happening, right? It says here that Paul and his companions were traveling through this region, right? Verse 6. And... They were kept by the Holy Spirit 
from going any further, from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They're going, you know, kind of more northern, like towards the Black Sea, like to northern Turkey. They're going, going up there. And the Holy Spirit, again, we don't know exactly the details. Uh, we like to call this a closed door, like God closes a door. And sometimes we don't know why. And sometimes he does it in different ways. You know, if you read, you know, commentary on this, and obviously there's hypothesis and opinions of like, ooh, did they get sick? Did they like not, were they not able to like, was there not favor? Was there like some kind of physical thing? Or was there like just a sense? Or like, was it, again, like we're going to read it, was it a vision? Was it a dream? Was it like prophetic word from someone that said like don't go here but nonetheless if you look on a map like they're going towards and, and you look at like a um, even in the back of like my bible right uh this might help you this is like the low tech right now but uh there's a there's a i have a like a can you see this uh there's a map of paul's missionary journeys and it's going toward um you know the black sea over here and 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 you know, kind of Istanbulish area right now, um, modern day Istanbul. And the Holy Spirit stops them and <clears throat> prevents them from going further. And so, kind of Paul, it says here, kind of goes down to uh, to um, Troas, kind of more towards the like Mediterranean, towards Greece. And <clears throat> there's a very strategic purpose in that, and we're going to see that in the rest of Acts 16. But we see here, not only the heart of God, but, but the strategy of God here, the purpose of God for Paul and Silas and Timothy. And we see here, what this text illuminates is the leading of God, right? We see uh, in different ways. The Holy Spirit, it says here, stops them. But then it says the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go any further. Talk about that in a second. And then we have like a vision. Like Paul gets a vision in the night. I would call it a dream, but that's not what it says. Maybe it was just late at night or maybe he was awake and he had a vision, right? So nonetheless, though, I want to point out in like four verses here, we see like God is like leading. Like, don't go there. Go here. Go here. How exactly? We don't know. Luke here, our author, First, he says the Holy Spirit, which we know a lot about. The Spirit of Jesus, that is, um, uh, I don't want to say weird, but that, that's odd. It, from my understanding, that only comes up one other time, Philippians uh, <clears throat> So So it's not used much. And if you read, of like, what is that? What's going on? The Spirit of Jesus. Um, a lot of people think that it's more like a, culturally time period significant, right? Like Luke is writing this. Um, this is like real time, you know what I mean? This is set 2000 years ago. The entirety of the canon of scripture is not written yet. And it wouldn't be longer um, until there was like a, a more proper or robust theology of the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and their distinct roles and purposes. They're all God, but in three distinct forms. Um, there wasn't this robust theological understanding, and so in many ways, a lot of people think, well, it's pretty, they assume, or they would suggest, um, 
that, that the Spirit of Jesus is the same as the Holy Spirit. But again, the whole book of Acts is carrying on the task of Jesus by the power of God. And so again, I think it's just a different way of saying it. I don't think we have to read too much into it. But I think the broader understanding or the big picture here is that God leads his people. Like, I think we have this understanding of God, like, here's the Bible, that's him, he was there, he's somewhere, I can't see him, so I'm kind of left to my own accord. There's ways, there's things in the Bible I read and I should and shouldn't do, but I think that we fail sometimes, or miss out, or forget that God is ever-present, like he's near to us. Sometimes we don't, it doesn't feel that way, like we doubt that. But God is intimately acquainted with all our ways. He has a heart for the whole world to involve us in his kingdom. He's strategic about it. He's not haphazard. He has huge plans for all of us, whether we think it or not, to be a part of his kingdom. It's going to look differently for all of us. God's strategic and God desires to lead us. Like, he doesn't just expect us to just try to figure it out. There's no direction. Like, we have the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit here that's in Paul, that's in Silas, that's in Timothy, that we see in the text, that is preventing and leading and guiding, lives in us. God in us, with the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's our helper. He's our counselor. He teaches us. He leads us. He convicts us. He refines us. He's ever-present. But also what we see is that the spirit, that the life of, of a Christian is to be spirit-filled and spirit-led, that we aren't supposed to live this life on our own accord haphazardly, but rather to be in communion, in connection with God. That we're in tune, that we're in prayer, that we're asking, that our heart is desiring God's leading. Right, that we would be a people, like Paul would say, that my life is no longer my own. It's been crucified with Christ. Right, the letter of Galatians that he would write to this place that he's going to visit, uh, that, that, he, that he says that I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live is not from my own flesh, but by the Spirit of God, following the person of Jesus, powered by the Holy Spirit. We see this happening in church. This is not just... For Paul, this is not just for the apostles and the early church. We too are to be a people that are led by God, that are communing with God, that are connected with God, that literally are submitted to the Father's will. Right? We, we examine our life and all that our life entails, and we say, this isn't mine, this is not my stuff, this is not my time, this is not my family, this is not my wife, this is all gifts from God, and I'm to steward it. I'm to be a steward of all this stuff, all these things I haven't done, but God has given them to me. And how am I supposed to live my life? Not by my own accord, 
not, not by like my own intuition or expertise or even what the world says or like what I watch or listen to. How we're supposed to live our life is like Paul is doing here. It's being led by God. It's being, it's being lovingly shepherded and carried. And when, we, when we're going this way, God says, no, come this way. When we, when we, even like the best idea, like Paul's like, I have a good idea. And, and the Holy Spirit goes, no, 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 come this way. Our loving Father is leading us. And our life is to be a life that is submitted, that is in tune, that's connected, and is led by God. And again, like we see in the text today, God does this in a lot of different ways. Uh, as we know, God speaks through his word. It's living and active. These are the words of God. We read it, and this is the word of God. We also know that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. He leads us. He shows us things. He, he convicts us. And again, this might be something that's foreign or that we're like, whoa, what, what are you saying? And again, it's, it's a process and it takes time and it's a part of our journey with the Lord to kind of discover that. Um, God does it through prophetic words, through other people, to, to answer prayers. Like we pray God this and it doesn't happen. And then like, okay, God answered that prayer. Like through prayer, I know what God, God answered. But also there's dreams and visions, right? The prophet Joel would say that in, in, in um, Joel chapter 2, I think it's verse 20, uh, 28, um, you know, that we would have dreams and visions would be a part of the way that we, uh, that God speaks to us. Again, that's like a whole other thing that we could talk about too. What are you saying? All my dreams are from God? No, that's not what I said. I think that God uses dreams and visions. And you're like, what is a vision? You're like, well, I don't really know. I've had a couple myself. I can get into that. Um, I'd love to talk to you and share that. But it's a way in which, like, God is speaking to us through dreams, through vision, through a picture that we have, through, through something that uh, is spoken over us, a uh, prophetic word. God speaks through prayer. God speaks through his word. Um, again, I know there's nuances to that, and maybe there's some disagreement, and there's some, uh, there's been some, like, you know, abuse of that and like people just say well god told me and i mean there's a lot there of how god speaks and leads but i just want to like note that god in his word is leading paul the apostle in different ways god is speaking in different ways but nonetheless god is leading his sons in this case into like a new chapter a new a new journey and I just want us to be encouraged and know like that's part of our part of our, our own life. But but what I love here is is um, and, and, and I'll I'll say this kind of as a last point, right? We've seen the heart of God, we've seen the strategy of God, we've seen the leading of God. And the last thing I want to note is is our role with God. And I and I love how, you know, I don't know if he's Luke's like men, meaning to humanize it here. But I, I really like what stands out to me is um, it says that in verse 10 of our text today, Acts 16, after Paul had this vision, right, of this man from Macedonia, this man from uh, modern day Greece, kind of right across that like upper Mediterranean there, he said, come help us. 
it, it says after Paul had this vision of that, and again, I don't know exactly what that was, we don't. It says that we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The reason why I'm saying that I, I like that it, it feels human, it feels uh, like it, the text is humanized a bit, is that it just says like, Paul had this vision, and it, see, it feels vague, right? It feels like there was just like this guy in what, in the vision, like this, this person was in Macedonia, um, modern day Greece, and he says, help me. So Paul, right, is in Troas, he's in like, uh, in Turkey. He has this vision, and it sounds like they talk about it, and not for long, because it says like they had the vision and they got ready, because it says that they concluded, I don't know what they, they concluded, that God just wanted them to go to Macedonia to preach the gospel. Now, logically, if someone said, which people have, hey, I had this vision of this, this is what happened, um, what do you think, pastor? Like, what do you think that is? I'm like, well, first of all, I don't know. I don't, not, I don't have the gift of interpretation in that way, but I will help you try to sort it out and make sure it's biblical and help you kind of ask some questions and maybe we can figure it out. It's totally happened all the time, which is awesome. But I love it because in some sense, I would agree with him. I'm like, yeah, it probably means you're on this missionary journey and God's saying, don't go that way. And then God gives you the this vision of, this other place, so it sounds like go that way. Very simple. But I like it because it just says, well, we just concluded that that's what God meant. <laughs> it's humanizing because it feels like they don't really know what they're doing. Just like you and I don't really know what we're doing. We're, we're just trying to be faithful to where God's leading us. And I hope that that helps you like come down to the Bible level for a second or, or go up to the Bible's level or whatever. Because sometimes I think we, we think, well, like God doesn't speak that way or they just knew it all or they were different. I'm like, no, they weren't. <laughs> they were just like you and I. And I think if we want to boil something down today is, I think the, the goal and it is just to try to be faithful to what God is doing in our life. We don't have to put this huge trip to like, on ourselves to get everything right and like be so afraid of like getting it right and like that we do nothing because I think that's that's one way or we don't pray about anything and we just do our own thing that's that's also wrong but I'm, I'm hoping that like in the season of like it's really hard and like there's a lot going on and I know just families and distance learning and jobs and finances and it's a little hard to like even pray in this way. Like, God, what would you have for me? Because I think a lot of us are like, just trying to survive. Like just trying to get through this, which is totally, I'm with you. But I want us to like be comforted that what God is asking is God's not asking us to like do all these amazing things and be perfect and get it all right. God, what God's asking of us is just to attempt to be faithful, to follow him. Like to be submitted, to be teachable, available. Um, just to, just to, just like the basics of like, my life's not my own. 
this job isn't mine. I didn't create this. Like, God gave this to me, and I want to be open if God has something else. I want to be open for God having me move. And our life should just be an attempt, our Christian walk, a part of it like this, should just be an attempt to figure out, like, what is God doing? How is he leading me? I just want to be faithful to what God has for me. You have that attitude, and God is going to use you in incredible ways. When you have that humility and availability and teachability, and you desire to be spirit-filled and spirit-led, there is no knowing what God, how God will use you when you have that. But I love it here because it just reminds me of like the Father heart of God, that He loves all people, that He has a plan, that He's leading us, and then he wants to involve us. Like he's literally like using these guys that are super imperfect, have a ton of issues, right? Just like us. But God desires to lead us and our role is to try to figure that out. And it's okay, even if they like totally got this wrong. God has a lot of grace. He covers us getting, uh, you know, his voice wrong. God's bigger than you know, us hearing wrong. So we don't have to fear that. But church, I just want to encourage us today. I want to illuminate um, God's heart here as a father. He's our heavenly father, right? And he, he, he likes to involve his kids. He wants to, but that's his design. It's like, come with me and I want you, I want to use you with me. I want to partner with you to see my kingdom go forth in the world. And so church, I want you to know today, there is a heavenly father. You have a heavenly father. The creator God of the Bible is our father who is in heaven and we are his kids. And for those of you that have kids, in the same way, it's like as a parent, it's, it's, it's bringing your kids into your life and what you're into and bringing them along and doing the things with them. It's including them and doing life with them. That has been one of the hugest joys of being a dad for me is to involve my beautiful seven-year-old daughter, Eva, and my uh, amazing little dude, uh, four-year-old Liam, into life. Like, let's do errands together. Let's do this together. Let's garden together. Let's go to the beach together. And yes, is it harder? Of course it is. But there is so much beauty in that fellowship and that connection and that withness. And in the same way, church, you have a perfect, loving, heavenly Father that desires you and me and all of us to be involved in his kingdom going forward. Church, God loves you, desires to use you. And so this week, I want to encourage you to kind of examine your life, examine the way you operate. Hey, am I submitted to the Lord? Do I want his ways over my ways? Do I, am I trying to just discover what, how God is leading me and uh, with my friends and family and roommates and kids and relationships and job and how am I spending my time? Is it submitted to the Lord? 
And guys, let's journey together. God has some really incredible things in store for us at Reality Honolulu. I believe that God desires to use us together for the furthering of his kingdom in some really profound ways here in Hawaii. And so, church, love you. As we enter into worship, uh, I just want to encourage you to shut off everything, try to just be present and worship the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you now. Uh, let me pray. God, thank you so much for our text today that just reminds us of your heart for all people and just how you're so ever-present with us and you lead us and you're not some far-off distant God, but you are with us and you desire to involve us in the furthering of your kingdom. Thank you for your heart, God. Thank you that you have a plan, you have a strategy. Thank you that you desire to lead us and thank you that... Um, that we do it with you, like that you involve us, that we are co-laborers with Christ to seek your kingdom come, Father. Pray that you'd be exalted in our time of worship now. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.